The Ruby Cave, an original fairy tale by Paul Martin, read by the author, copyright 2018, Paul Martin's fine films and audiobooks. Once on a time, in a faraway land in the desert, there lived a little girl called Helena, pure and dedicated to God in every way. Her parents dearly loved her, but they were very poor because they were despised by the rest of the town they lived in and had few opportunities to make money. They were frequently called dogs and infidels because they were the only people in the town who still went to church. The church was old and had long been abandoned by its congregation. There was no priest who could minister to their spiritual needs. So every Sunday, the three of them went into the church to pray. Occasionally, they could hear angels singing at night time. This helped their faith and gave them enough encouragement to keep going. Helena's parents got into debt, and to be free from this debt, they had to sell their mud hut and move into the church to live. During the course of time, a lowly merchant by the name of Kaka became deeply interested in Helena and began staring at her intently and following her around. She became very frightful of his intense looks and prayed hard for her safety. He approached her on one occasion, grabbed her by the hand and said, Helena, you are very beautiful young and you would satisfy my needs adequately. Helena yanked her hand back and said, no, I'm not interested in you. I'm not interested in getting married. I am only nine years old. Nine years old means you are a grown woman in our culture, he abruptly interrupted. It is important for a young girl to get married as soon as possible, or she will become an old maid and be unmarriable and despised by all the families in the area. What will people think of you then? You will bring shame upon your parents. I don't care what anyone thinks of me, she said and walked away. She told her parents, and they were very disturbed and upset. The next day, they sent her on an errand to sell some rabbits at a nearby village to make some money, while her parents sold their pottery in the marketplace. They gave her a whistle to blow if she was pursued, and a small dagger to cut the throat or vital organs of Kaka should he try to molest her. The rabbits were placed in a basket and she headed off to the village which was several miles away. As she started walking, she became increasingly uncomfortable and fearful with a sixth sense that she was being followed. She waited until the road turned a corner, then ran behind some bushes and waited. Sure enough, as predicted, Kaka came around and was looking hard for her. Much to his shock, he could not see her. She sneaked away as quietly as she could. 
She then realised with sudden panic that the rabbits had escaped and ran away. She continued to walk further into a forested area. After walking behind a bush, she looked back. Her heart started beating fast as she realised that Kaka had spotted her and had been following her well off the main road. If he knew that she knew he was following, he would outrun her and the game would be up. She had to think quickly and on her feet. Then she let out another gasp, realising that her knife had disappeared. It had evidently fallen out of the basket in her hurried exit from the road. She continued walking, then came to a clearing where she saw a most bizarre sight. Kaka saw it too, despite being a fair distance behind her, and he stopped and gazed in utter wonder as much as her. He looked in bedazzlement at what lay in front of him. It was a cave with a large opening, but no ordinary cave. It shone bright red. Rubies! Not just red. There was a small reflection of emeralds, gold, silver and sapphires as well, but mostly red rubies. A voice boomed from the cave. Helena, enter in and receive your reward. She hesitated for a moment, then ran in. The cave closed in behind her. There stood an angelic woman before her. She wore a purple dress and had a golden crown upon her head. A halo shone around her head. She looked kind, but courageous and battle-hardened. She carried a cruel and sharp-looking sword on her hip. Helena, just know that God is watching over your family and has everything under control. I have been interceding for your family in heaven. Now help yourself to all the rubies and other jewellery you can carry. But I am unsafe. That pervert is pursuing me. Helena saw a gleeful look in the woman's eyes and a slow smile crept up her face. It was as if she was trying not to laugh. I know he is. He is obsessed with you. I have a nasty surprise in store for him. She then looked serious suddenly. Hide behind there, she said, pointing to a cupboard. Helena hid behind it. Then the woman boomed. Kaka, enter in for your reward. In walked Kaka. He looked wide-eyed in amazement at all the riches. Where is the girl, he demanded threateningly. Please don't take her, said the woman. Just help yourself to these riches instead. Fine, 
I'll take these riches and get my bride price for her. But I will find her and have my way with her. Mark my words. Yes, I will mark your words, said the woman. He had no bag, so he began stuffing rubies, gold and other precious stones in every pocket and space in his clothes that he could carry. I will be back for more, he said. Helena, who had overheard this, felt furious that the woman seemed to be both appeasing and enriching this vile man. Then he walked out of the cave. No sooner had he left than he let out a terrible shriek. He started dancing around shrieking and started ripping all his clothes off. He was now naked and Helena could see he was almost completely covered in excrement. All the jewels he had taken had turned into excrement. When he had finally gotten over the shock, he rushed back into the cave and grabbed a handful of rubies and held them close to his chest. But as soon as he left the cave, they all turned into excrement. He let out another shriek, then wiped off the excrement. Now he was angrier than ever. He proceeded to enter the cave a third time, but now the woman stood in the way. Back off immediately, you fool, she said sternly. Did you really think I was going to enrich and empower a pervert like you? He picked up his scimitar and charged at her, but like lightning, the woman drew out her sword and it lighted up with fire, and before Helena could say her name, the woman had chopped off Kaka's leg almost as high as the hip. He let out another shriek. This will prevent you from harming others, especially innocent little girls like Helena. It will also give you the chance to amend your ways now go and hop back to your town as a beggar. Helena filled up her basket and took off her head covering in order to cover up the rubies and she returned to the church. When her parents got back from selling the pottery, they were astonished as she relayed to them what had happened. From this point on, Kaka left the town on horseback and never returned. He had felt shamed and he feared that Helena's family would gossip and shame him. He had guessed incorrectly, for they regarded gossip as a sin and felt he had been sufficiently punished. However, it served to have him permanently removed from their midst. A short time later, when they sat praying in church on Sunday, they heard footsteps and jumped up startled. In walked three men. They wore sackcloth, had crucifix necklaces on, and kindly smiles. Greetings. We are travellers, doing goodwill and preaching good news, said one of the men. 
Welcome to our church, said the father, but we are the last believers left in this accursed place. Over the next week, the free men wandered around the village and talked and interacted with the people while sleeping in the church. They remained ever cheerful and smiling despite wary and hateful looks from many of the villagers. Helena thought they were naive and delusional, being blissfully unaware of the potential danger they might put themselves in. When she voiced her concerns to them in private, they chuckled and explained that they were very well aware, but they had no fear of death and they knew there was a great heavenly reward waiting for them. Helena now felt ashamed of misjudging them and wished that she too had as much faith as the free travellers. On their last night in the village, they invited the family for a prayer meeting in the church. As it approached midnight hour, their silent prayers were interrupted by the sound of a large mob approaching. Bolt the doors, shouted her ever-vigilant father. Two of the travellers rushed and bolted the door. They looked out of a hole in the stained glass window and could see the villagers approaching with burning torches and pitchforks chanting, Death! to all infidels. Let's go and talk with them, said one of the travellers. No, said an authoritative voice behind him. They all turned around. An angelic glowing figure stood there. It was the Lord. Behind him stood the woman that Helena had met in the ruby cave. All six of them knelt before the Lord. Your time here has come to an end, the Lord said. He looked at the free travellers and said, Well done, good and faithful servants. Your time has come to a close. Enter into my rest after your bodies are burned in this church. Your reward is great indeed. He then turned to the woman standing behind him and said, Mother, take the family away with you to that safer and faraway land we discussed earlier. The woman hugged the Lord and kissed him on the forehead she walked over to the family. Come with me, she ordered. She walked over to the sanctuary where a large stone pillar stood. With her sword, she smashed it in half and it broke. She lifted out two gold crowns and put one on Helena's father and one on her mother. Then she said to Helena, grab your bag of jewellery. Royal families need riches. The Lord then gathered the free travellers to himself and hugged them with the greatest love and kindness that Helena had ever seen. 
She saw how much the Lord loved people. Make haste with me now, said the woman firmly. A bright light emanated out of thin air. A portal to a faraway land had just opened up. She led the family through the portal. Helena looked back one last time. The Lord stood there hugging and holding his beloved disciples, even as burning logs of fire were hurled through the windows and the church started burning. They could hear jeers, whistles and laughter coming from the mob. Then the portal closed. Epilogue Three nights after the death of the three martyrs, the village saw a strange sight. Three bright stars burned in the night sky. Those that saw it went and banged on everyone's doors and awoke them to witness the bright lights. Eventually the whole village had come out to watch. Once they were all out, the next strange phenomenon occurred. The stars went so tremendously bright that they lit up the night sky and made it brighter than daytime. The entire village were now permanently blind. The next day they were eaten alive by hyenas and vultures. Now to this day it is a wretched uninhabited village crawling with snakes and other beasts. As for Helena's parents, they were crowned king and queen in their new land by the woman in front of the local people who had longed for authorities to bring order. The riches Helena had brought were used to build a castle atop a hill to govern the land. Helena was now a princess. She would be allowed to rule as queen once her parents had passed away and she had found a suitable man as a king. Not many men had what it took, but she knew she would find him eventually. But that's another story for another time. The End <laughs>